The Holy Gospel, according to Mark, the ninth chapter. John said to Jesus, Teacher, we saw someone casting out demons in your name, and we tried to stop him because he was not following us. But Jesus said, Do not stop him, for no one who does a deed of power in my name will be able soon afterward to speak evil of me. Whoever is not against us is for us. For truly, I tell you, whoever gives you a cup of water to drink because you bear the name of Christ will by no means lose the reward. If any of you put a stumbling block before one of these little ones who believe in me, it would be better for you if a great millstone were hung around your neck and you were thrown into the sea. If your hand causes you to stumble, cut it off. It is better for you to enter life maimed than to have two hands and to go to hell to the unquenchable fire. And if your foot causes you to stumble, cut it off. It is better for you to enter life lame than to have two feet and to be thrown into hell. And if your eye causes you to stumble, tear it out. It is better for you to enter the kingdom of God with one eye than to have two eyes and to be thrown into hell where their worm never dies and the fire is never quenched. For everyone will be salted with fire, salt is good. But if salt has lost its saltiness, how can you season it? Have salt in yourselves and be at peace with one another. The Gospel of the Lord. Jesus. We saw someone casting out demons in your name, and we tried to stop them because he was not following us. That was John, one of the 12 disciples speaking to, or perhaps more accurately, tattling to Jesus after witnessing an exorcism, which apparently was successful, but which was done by someone who was not one of them. In an effort to control the work of God or to protect certain requirements for service in the kingdom or to, I don't know what, John makes this report, presumably assuming that Jesus would want to know about this occurrence, that Jesus would want to do something about it, that Jesus would never allow just anyone to do work in his kingdom, which is especially funny because as someone said to me recently, Jesus would have made a really bad human resources director. He let anyone in. He called unqualified, uncredentialed, undeserving, untrained, unprepared, and unequipped men and women to serve as his own ambassadors in the world and to carry out his mission and his ministry. And that, of course, includes the disciples and John. Jesus, we tried to stop him because he's not one of us. Jesus' response must have come as both a shock and a surprise to John and to the other disciples who were listening in. I suppose that they all expected Jesus to be alarmed 
or threatened, or at the very least troubled and bothered by the news of this one acting in his name outside of this tight circle of 12. But Jesus wasn't threatened, or alarmed, or frankly, even concerned. Instead, he answered, do not stop him. Turns out, the work of growing the kingdom of God is not limited to only certain credentialed and trained members of an elite group. Rather, the work of growing the kingdom belongs to everyone. Our God is an inclusive God, and we see here in this story that Jesus will not interrupt the good work of anyone who is about the business of furthering his kingdom. After Jesus says, do not stop him, he goes on to speak at great length to his disciples who have once again misunderstood his ministry. He goes on to teach them just exactly how important inclusivity is. The language of Jesus here in Mark 9 is both startling and unsettling. You heard Bruce read it just a moment ago. He speaks to John and the disciples using some of the harshest language recorded anywhere in Scripture. Jesus said, It would be better for you if a great millstone were hung around your neck and you were thrown into the sea. Yes, that's our Lord speaking. He speaks also of cutting off your hand, your foot, or plucking out your eye. Should you ever be tempted to place a stumbling block before one who is working for God because they are not one of us? The message is clear. The good work of caring for the neighbor is essential to the kingdom of God and no one shall be excluded for having done so. Do you see? This story shows us that inclusivity is so important, it has become a mark of the kingdom of God. It's exactly like Jesus said in Matthew, the harvest is plentiful, the workers are few. We need all of us. We are in this together. 1,500 years after Jesus spoke these words, Martin Luther found himself facing another kind of elitism in the church. Back then, the word vocation was understood to apply only to those who were called to religious service, that is, priests, monks, nuns, and others who in a professional manner served God. They alone had what was considered to be a true or real vocation. Luther grew up with the notion that only the work of religious professionals mattered in this world. Resisting that definition of vocation, Luther argued that every person, every single person is called to live his or her life as a servant, and every good work a person does, therefore, is necessary, makes a difference, and matters. 
Luther insisted that daily tasks, such as those required in the work of a cobbler, a smith, a peasant, a farmer, or a parent, when done in the service of the other, are all examples of true, real vocation. To Luther, you understand then, the work of a cobbler was just as important and necessary and valuable as that of the priest. No one was to be excluded from contributing to the work of God's kingdom. 2,000 years after Jesus and John had that conversation about John's desire to stop someone for caring for another, and 500 years after Luther redefined vocation, it seems, unfortunately, that we're still struggling to embrace the concept of inclusivity as Jesus taught. In her book, Braving the Wilderness, Brene Brown writes about how, as children, we learn how to sort things, you know, colors, shapes, sizes. And then somewhere along the way, she says, we mistakenly apply the principle of sorting to people. She wrote, the sorting we do to ourselves and to one another is, at best, unintentional, and reflexive. At worst, it's stereotyping that dehumanizes. The paradox is, she said, that we all love that ready-made filing system. It's so handy when we want to quickly characterize people, but yet we resent it when we are the ones getting filed away. I imagine that all of us have at least once in our lifetimes felt the sting of having been sorted out by others, of having been dismissed or ignored or unaccepted or left behind or excluded. We know too well the deep pain of being overlooked or passed over, unaccepted, unwelcomed, or having our good work go unrecognized. Here's some good news from our gospel today. Just as Jesus' notion of inclusivity sets us free to recognize the good work of others as valuable and worthy and necessary, it also helps us to recognize our own good work in the service of others as valuable and worthy and necessary. In today's gospel story, there are two places to find yourself. One, as the one who does the sorting, like John, and the other, as the one who has been sorted out, like the unnamed man. In truth, we are, each one of us, a messy mixture of both. But thank goodness, we have a God who sees us just as he made us, as necessary and worthy contributors to the mission and the ministry of his Son, our Lord. Friends, in all likelihood, 
you know someone who needs to hear that good news, who needs to know how important they are, who needs to know that what they do matters. Tell them. Tell them today. And please know how much the world needs you and your gifts and talents and your perspective and your ideas and your insight and your heart. In the name of Christ, amen.